Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Enough is enough. The preseason is over. It's time for the real NFL season. A lot to talk about with the Ravens this week on one of my favorite episodes of Pod Like a Raven. All right, enough with the preseason. The Ravens will never lose. That's fine. But it's time to talk about the real stuff now. It's time to talk about who is officially on this Ravens roster. How many wins is this team going to get? Just how far into the playoffs are they going to go? And how hard will I have to try to convince Tim that the Carolina Panthers might win just a couple of games this season? I am Antonio Barbera, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts. I said it in the opening, but this is one of my favorite episodes uh, every year that we do Pod Like a Raven. Love the season-long previews. And I got my guys here to talk about it with me. Let's start on the West Coast with Jace Evans. Jace, I got the excitement. Do I need to temper it, or do I need to run around the room? Absolutely not. Uh, it's 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 time it's time for the real thing, Antonio. We are we are we are what two days away from September. It's real. Fall is upon us. Uh, even though it's the hottest time of year in Southern California right now, um, and fall is here, and uh, you know it, it's very exciting. College football started uh, this past weekend, uh, so we're in it. it. It's football time. I'm with you. I'm very excited. The only thing tempering my enthusiasm is having to try to f- deal with Directv to get my Sunday ticket uh, renewed for another year. But beyond that, uh, you know, we're we're, we're it's, it's football season. How can you not be excited? on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, are you ready for some Ravens football? So the Panthers have the Saints. They've got the Niners. The... There's no way they're getting in there. No, we'll get to it later. We'll get to it later. Yes, <laughs> I am absolutely ready for some Ravens football. Uh, you know, the preseason game, we're going to get to it. And God willing, we're going to spend less than five minutes on a game that didn't matter. But guess what? No one's hurt. Stars are coming back. Everything's aligning. We're almost two weeks out. We get Bills, Rams, and, and just what nine or ten days as we record i cannot wait for football but obviously as antonio said more specifically the purple and black so yeah let's get to it man i'm excited it's that last preseason game every year that like 
it it catches me off guard because I still think it's going to be somewhat quality football, and it's not. It just it's ugly from the first whistle to the last. The the second stringers maybe play a series. A lot of them don't play at all, and then it just becomes bubble players really trying to make a couple plays to stick on a roster, and that is pretty much what happened uh, in the Ravens Commanders game. But before we get to that uh, brief recap, I want to go over the injury updates, some injury updates on Ravens players. I just want to run through basically the pro bowlers for the Ravens and where they are, because all of them were out last season at one point or another. Uh, And I just want to run through the names because one name, a big one, made some news uh, over the weekend, and that's one Ronnie Stanley. So cleared to practice. Uh, Tim and I got very excited when we saw the news. Then Jace made sure to remind us that this also happened to Stanley last season uh, at a certain point late in the offseason, and then that didn't go so well when about a half of one game. But this year, (laughs) a different year, Ronnie Stanley officially cleared to practice. I'm excited about it. It cemented a little bit of my belief in the potential of this team uh, in the long term. But Jace, uh, not a guarantee of anything, but at least a good sign. No, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to yeah, be Debbie Downer, uh, certainly, but uh, no, not you. It, 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 <laughs> it's definitely a good thing. Like, it, it's one step closer to the field now. Ronnie Stanley, we haven't seen Ronnie Stanley on the field. He wasn't uh, visible today as we record at Monday's practice, but uh, he's allegedly supposed to be out there in some form tomorrow, potentially, maybe. John Harbaugh, you know, who's, who's to say? with anything he says when it comes to injuries, but... Uh, Chase, do you have the quote for that? Because it was... I can't find it right in front of me now, but it was incredibly Harbaugh. Just like, I don't see him. I don't know. He's in there doing stuff. When I see him, I'll coach him. Yeah, yeah. he's like, when he's out here, we'll coach him. It's like, well, you're the coach the whole time. But... Uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I have concerns from, from, like, what you mentioned. He obviously... He played an NFL football game last year. He was cleared by the Ravens' doctors to play, and it didn't work out. So I'm tempering my expectations. I, 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 until I see it, until I see him week one, and then maybe even more importantly, week two or three, <laughs> um, I, I'm not, you know, putting the cart before the horse, so to speak. But it is good. It is good news. Uh, it's a good thing. But I, I will say I'm also worried about the, um, you know, We've seen this and <laughs> any potential setbacks that may occur. So, yeah, it's good, but I'm just cautiously tempering my expectations, I think. I, and I think that's, you know, fair and reasonable. I like to have some joy in my life, and that's fine, Jace, that you don't. <laughs> I understand. Um, no, but look, Stanley still hasn't practiced. He's been cleared to practice. I would not be surprised to not see him out on the field week one. But this is – I don't even think that's necessarily a bad thing, you know, a, they know from past experience, a.k.a. last year, that they do not want to rush him back. So this is a positive sign, but I don't think it's – it's not an immediate, oh, well, Ronnie Stanley's back. He's going to be the premier all-pro left tackle that we know and love. But it is a nice positive step rather than a just kind of – you know, remember dealing with the Lamar injuries last year where it's kind of like, is he going to play? Is he not? We don't really know. There was something out. And then it kind of obviously, you know, worked out that he wasn't going to play for the rest of the year. But – this is this is not that. This is a positive step in the right direction that, God willing, week one, but even if it's not week one, maybe week two, three, we're back to having Stanley at left tackle, and that solves just a whole load of issues on the offensive line. 
So I want to run through some of the other names as well. And within the framework of when the season ended, when the 2021 season ended, all of the next players that I'm going to mention were out, basically, with long-term injuries. So within the framework of how do you guys feel with, like, the percentage of players we got back and, like, the status of the health of the players? Like, do you... Obviously, we want everybody to be there and we want them all to be in perfect health, but, like, are you kind of satisfied with the amount of players and the progression and where we're at now with two weeks to go until week one? Humphrey is back. He's been practicing. Sort of seems like he's 100%. Peters, back. Uh, I guess I can't say 100%, but is practicing, is running around, people see him. He looks looks like he's going to be a week one starter. Um, J.K. Dobbins, back on the field, doing the drills. little less clear whether or not he's going to be a week one starter. He will. I'm going to split the difference and say he plays week one, but is a guy with a super limited workload, and then they, you know, they bring him up as the weeks progress. Uh, Ronnie Stanley mentioned him already. Gus Edwards, uh, not back on the PUP, but the four-week PUP, which is like the, you know, the smallest it could be, basically, given the, given his status, uh, and then Tyus Bowser, also on the PUP list. So, some guys back, some guys seemingly 100%, and then a couple not quite there. In, in the take-it-or-leave-it world, I'm pretty satisfied. I'm going to take it and then hope that the other two guys get on the field, you know, by mid-season. Um, where are you guys with uh, with the totality of, of these players coming back? Yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I, I, I think I think it's positive injury news on the whole. Uh, obviously, we have to keep our guard up, as we remember. Uh, J- uh, Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters tore their ACL on the same day, the Thursday before their season opening game. So even though you could say we generally made it through Ravens preseason without any major injuries, which I think is great, certainly a step above where we were last year. Um we're still not quite in the woods or out of the woods yet, but uh, I am satisfied. Bowser, not surprising at all. He tore his Achilles week 17 last season, so you kind of... That'd be an incredible recovery if he was back already. Um, Gus had been trending this way. Obviously, we talked about for a while. The word kind of came out that he probably wasn't going to be ready for week one. So, I, it, with him, it's good. I think just the running back depth they've accumulated. Now, we talked a little, I believe, last week about how the running backs didn't do much in the preseason, and that kind of continued, but hopefully, you know, a full line, that kind of stuff changes. So, you know, you still you would love everyone 100%, but I, I think, you know, certainly heading into this season, the Ravens are in a much better place than they were uh, this time a year ago. So... Um, on the whole, I, I, I'm pretty satisfied, and it uh, seems like the whatever changes Harbaugh and company made uh, seem to hopefully have worked uh, this uh, training camp. Yeah, I don't need to you know pile on with what Jay said. I'm, I'm relatively optimistic about this team, uh, and then you know we'll get to the over-unders, and uh, it, that will <laughs> not sound like I'm optimistic at all, but that's a different story. Uh, I think knowing that everybody's good and kind of having the experience from last year will absolutely help this squad. Uh, in terms of, you know, again, like we mentioned before with Ronnie Stanley, not rushing people back, what have you. And I think we're, we're going to see a lot, you know, as we record this on a Monday night, if you're listening on Tuesday morning at 4 o'clock today, Eastern time, the final cuts will be made uh, to get down to the 53-man rosters. We've already seen some moves with, like, Tony Jefferson, which we're going to talk about in a bit. I think what we see from that final roster and then the moves with putting guys on IR and stuff, which Antonio will explain later, will – give us more of a barometer of how confident we should be in some of these guys. 
I think if Mike Davis, Tyler Beatty, and Justice Hill all make the team, uh, we, J.K. might not be seeing the field week one. If there's an extra corner, an extra offensive tackle, you know, those are positions that the Ravens covet anyway. They're premium positions. About at least one corner goes down every year, if not two or three, so they're probably going to keep one regardless. But if it's more than normal, maybe you suspect uh, early on in the season, maybe we don't see Peters as much. So, you know, I not to not to you know dismiss the question, but I think we're, we are going to see a lot more on Tuesday in terms of how confident we should be that these guys are back and ready to play. All right. With that, let's turn now to just tying a bow on the end of the preseason for the Ravens, who just can't lose. Would have been the greatest bet to make over the last couple of years until they lost, because it keeps on keeps on hitting. Ravens 17. The commies 15. The commies lose again. Two times. Two times. America. America took beat, beat the commies. Anyway. Who... You know, this is where we're having, as I talked about earlier, fringe players having to make the roster. Uh, Tyler Huntley, I think, played one series, and then that was the end of that. And that is how that trickled down to the rest of the roster. I have a couple of names of players that stood out, and then I'm going to let my co-hosts offer uh, players that they liked. But Josh Ross is uh, was an undrafted free agent out of Michigan, linebacker who... First of all, just perfect Raven because he's undrafted, and they do that every year, seemingly keeping a guy. He has done about as good of a job uh, of making a team as I've seen for any of these fringe players. Had 11 tackles in the game against Washington. Played well um, in their previous win. Also, he just is like around the ball a lot. He's just seems like a nice depth piece as a run stuffer. Uh, the Ravens, not deep or potentially particularly talented at inside linebacker, so it's nice to have uh, a guy that's shined a little bit and hopefully can continue to, to develop. I anticipate him being a guy who makes his team and ends up being that like fun puff piece story after a few weeks at, like, see, another undrafted free agent made the Ravens. Uh, what development? Wow. What what keen sense of, of like talent scouting this team has. Uh, another guy, Christian Welch, has been kind of up and down with the Ravens. They they want so much more from him, and he just can't really seem to turn the corner. He's mostly a special teamer. Another inside linebacker, so this speaks to the need for talent there, but he had two and a half sacks uh, in this game, and again, for a linebacker, that's about as good of a job as you can do in your last preseason game to, to show the coaching staff that you deserve to stick. And then my favorite name, Demarcus Robinson, had the best showing he could have possibly had in his one preseason game as the newest addition to the Ravens. Four catches, 135 yards, one touchdown. He's not going to be a superstar on the Ravens, but what did this show me? That he is a legitimate starting wide receiver in the National Football League, because when matched up against those second and third stringers, he absolutely torched them. (laughs) He was quite literally getting tens of 15 yards of separation on double, double moves repeatedly in this game and that's exactly I mean it could not have gone better for him so I feel a little bit better about that like fourth wide receiver third wide receiver on this team seeing him just have a great whatever exhibition which which is what it is obviously for the team but what it was for him um and he will stick he will stay on this team and maybe start the season as the number three wide receiver so what did you guys think of of those players and, and any other names that I did not mention 
Well, one guy you didn't mention, I completely agree with you on Demarcus Robinson. I think he sealed up his spot on the team if there was ever a doubt entering it. But, uh, you know, n- not a guy who was on in roster trouble at all, but one I was just happy to see, Tyler Linderbaum got out on the field. The Ravens' first-round pick, I thought it was good. You know, I, I, we've expressed concern on this show. You know, big guy, foot injury. He misses two preseason games. But then he comes back to practice, and not only does he practice, they throw him in a preseason game, and he seems no worse for wear. And uh, I watched a fun Baldy's breakdown from Brian Baldinger on uh, Twitter about him. There's some things to like, uh, and it was exciting uh, for me just to see him out there because, uh, yeah, not many other starters played uh, in this game, certainly. Um and I guess if I just want to go into um, a disappointment, this kind of ties into why part of why I think Demarcus Robinson locked up a spot is pretty much any receiver that wasn't Demarcus Robinson. Uh, Benjamin Victor had some good moments, but you know, Makai Polk one catch ten yards, Raleigh Webb one catch eight yards, Shamar Bridges one catch eight yards. For all the excitement, especially for Bridges after that first preseason game. Uh, None of the undrafted wide receivers ended up doing much, and I think it kind of simplifies the Ravens' decision uh, when it comes to cut down day, unfortunately, for them. So, you know, would have probably been nice to see more out of them, but on the pro side, maybe you sneak them onto the, uh, you know, the practice squad because they didn't exactly show out the last two preseason games. So, could have used more from them, but yeah, Linderbaum back was exciting. Demarcus Robinson was exciting, and you nailed it. I mean, that the inside linebacker battle, we'll get into it more in a moment, I'm sure, but definitely one of the more interesting uh, on the whole roster at this point. Well, because it's so thin, and that was going to be my point. You know, nobody else really stood out. I mean, sure, if you want to talk about the quarterback, uh, Anthony Brown, 15-19, 256 yards and a touchdown, great. He's not going to make the team, but maybe he showed practice squad and or – Practice squad is an emergency guy if Lamar Huntley goes down or he gets an opportunity somewhere else with how he performed, and that's good for him. Um, I, I think Josh Ross has a case mainly because one, and I think Antonio mentioned this, his connection to Mike McDonald at Michigan, obviously, uh, and then just the pure openness of that competition in the middle uh, with Malik Harrison, Patrick, uh, Patrick Queen, and then who else? I mean, like we mentioned Christian Welch. We mentioned jo- Josh Bynes. Will, will sure. Might start. <laughs> might start or might be, you know, might be a veteran cut who they try and bring, bring back after some of the IR stuff, which we'll talk about. Or both, which is why that position is so thin. Exactly right. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting it, 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 for sure uh, in terms of how they're going to, how they're going to deal with that inside linebacker position because it is so thin. I think another guy that impressed um, with basically his interior rush, basically, is Isaiah Mack as well, um, a guy that I think can step up in the absence of a Travis Jones who was going to be out for a few weeks. Maybe they keep another interior defensive lineman because of that as well. All right, so that's pretty much it from that game. <laughs> Harbaugh looked all too pleased uh, that they won. However, I thought that was kind of uh, hysterical and even in some of the press conference stuff that he's done. It matters to him, and... I don't really know what to make of it because he's obviously had success, but uh, whatever. They're healthy. <laughs> no major injuries. We got through it. There's only three games this year instead of four, so we're, we're, we're past it. Let's look at this roster now. Um, we mentioned this already at the top, but for those of you listening, it's, it's Tuesday or later. Uh, for those of us recording, it's Monday. So we don't know some of the decisions that have happened already. 
the cut cut day is tomorrow, so some of the names are probably trickling in tonight. A lot of them will be tomorrow. Um, but we're going to kind of go through it from the perspective of what we think could happen. Like, who has a chance to stick? Who Who's unfortunately on the way out? And then another aspect of this where the Ravens have a couple of young players who cannot essentially go directly to IR at this point in time. They have to make the roster, and then after they officially make the 53-man roster, can then be moved to IR. So as a result, some veteran players who do not have to pass through waivers will get cut Tuesday, will essentially do a handshake deal with the Ravens, and then a few days later, once the injured young players are moved from the active roster to IR, they will re-sign some of these veterans may, literally the next day, potentially, um, to fill up those empty spots on the active roster from the young players who have been moved to IR. I think I explained that correctly. If it was too convoluted, press the like back 15 seconds and <laughs> listen to it one more time. But the guys that we're talking about, for example, are Charlie Kohler. He's had the, it was a sports hernia injury, I believe. He's not really seen the field at all. Um, he is going to make the roster and then we'll go to IR, and we will probably not see him for maybe half the season. Uh, Ojabo is the same situation, the Ravens' um, second-round draft pick uh, out of Michigan, pass rusher. Um, he's still recovering from his injury, so he will make the team, and then the same thing, he'll be cut. So who are some players who are candidates for this? Well, one happened right before we started recording, and that's Tony Jefferson. He was uh, released by the Ravens just before we started recording, and it's a very interesting example because he's kind of a maybe, for me at least, in terms of whether he is one of these handshake players who will be signed in a couple of days or, you know, he was a veteran playing fourth quarters of preseason games uh, and that meant something. That meant that his roster spot was not guaranteed by any sense and the Ravens have a lot of talent and youth at safety. Um, I want to ask you guys your opinions on Tony Jefferson in a second. I just want to name off some of the other veterans who are in the same situation, Brent Urban, uh, Stephen Means, and then um, I believe even Christian Welch uh, is another guy where this could happen um, in terms of veterans who are released and then re-signed uh, uh, in a matter of days. But guys, for the first one that we know about, Tony Jefferson, uh, what are your guys' thoughts on where he may fit in terms of coming back in a few days or you know, just couldn't quite uh, hang on to a roster spot? Yeah, I I see both sides of it. I'm on the fence, Antonio. I know that's an unsatisfactory answer, but I, I see your points about he played a lot this preseason. He was out of football for a year and a half due to injury, and the only reason he ended back up on the Ravens last year is because literally every defensive back got hurt, and then the rest got COVID, and someone had to play against Cincinnati. Um, and then he stuck around the rest of the year because everyone was hurt. Um that being said, you know, the, the Ravens love their guys, and Tony Jefferson does seem to be a veteran they like, and they did part ways with a lot of veterans that John Harbaugh specifically likes, guys like Pernell McPhee and Jimmy Smith this past offseason, Anthony Levine retires. Um, so, you know, Jefferson's not that old. He's still like, he's like 30s our age. Um, Don't but, do that. Don't uh, do that. <laughs> Um, uh, but he, um, you know, he, so, but he has a, a lot of experience, 10 years in the league now. And, um, the Ravens value those guys. So they seem to like him. So, you know, the interesting thing will be is if another team gives him a chance to just 
you know, signed to their 53-man outright, and he feels he wants to do that. He was with the Niners uh, briefly last year as well, but he seems to like it in Baltimore, and they seem to like him. I'd be kind of surprised if he doesn't end up back on the team uh, personally, but, you know, I, I'm not going to be shocked if he ends up elsewhere uh, either. I think there's a couple things to this. One, I mean, the, the point can't be hammered home enough that the Ravens love their own guys. He's legitimately, by all accounts and reports, one of the favorite locker room dudes, which matters to the Ravens. Um, they also love to keep a glut of defensive backs because almost every year defensive backs get hurt. Um, almost every year. There's obviously last year being the, the extreme case of that, but it seems like, you know, whether it's a couple games, whether it's a season-long thing, there always seems to be a problem. Uh, in that way with Tony Jefferson again he's a veteran who doesn't have to clear waivers so he's released already and they there's no risk of a team just claiming him and they can kind of bring him back if they need to handshakes all around wink wink nudge nudge and we'll see come a couple days from now Um, but on the negative side they've got a lot of defensive backs already I mean look I'm looking at the list right now if you look at just uh, just safeties in general before Tony Jefferson, it's Marcus Williams, Chuck Clark, Kyle Hamilton, all guaranteed guys that are going to be there, and Geno Stone, uh, who, you know, has performed pretty well in preseason. Then you look at the corners. Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Kyle Fuller, Brandon Stevens, Jalen Armour Davis, Demarion Williams. All those guys are going to make the team. Those are all, you know, either respected veterans, free agents they just brought in in, in Kyle Fuller, or rookies that they're not going to part ways with, guys that they spent draft capital on. Then you look at Brandon Stevens, the second-year guy at SMU, and Demarion Williams, or Pepe, excuse me, because that's better, can both play some safety as well. They both have positional uh, fluidity or flexibility. And so when you're looking at some other needs on this team, you know, you mentioned Steven Means, Antonio, who we'll get to in a second. The Ravens need outside linebacker depth, whether it's, you know, bringing in an outside free agent who might get cut on Tuesday or, or exploring trade options and as well as keeping their guys, they absolutely need more healthy outside linebacker depth. Inside linebacker they need. Um, receiver, sorry Ravens fans, probably looks pretty sealed up uh, with the with some of the five guys that they have and we'll talk about here in a second. They want more offensive line help as well. It might just be a numbers game for Tony Jefferson and might end up being one of the hardest decisions that they have to make. And, you know, it sucks because it's a great story, but... This is a business, and you know what comes first is the on-the-field performance rather than the narrative. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with your sort of closing points there, Tim. He may be a situation where, I mean, it's it's rough to hear from his perspective, but just wait until we get a couple of injuries, and then you will be high on our list of phone calls because you're so dependable in that situation. I could understand him also kind of being frustrated with that and looking for other teams that may have a hole at that position um but i think it's going to be tough i think it's going to be tough for him even with the special teams participation uh to be a fifth safety on this team with with the depth that they have in the secondary at this point which was their whole point that's what they wanted to have after the disaster of last season they wanted to have extra guys and they have extra guys and now they have tough decisions to make about how many you're going to stay uh let's look at the 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 rest of the defense. Uh, let's start with the defensive line and then move to linebacker in terms of who's in and who's out. Um, another area with a ton of depth, defensive line, looking like players who are definitely in, Clayus Campbell, Michael Pierce, 
Justin Matabuke, Travis Jones, although he's a little banged up, Broderick Washington, and then Isaiah Mack is one of the bubble players. Uh, Tim mentioned him having a strong showing uh, in that last preseason game. Brent Urban is kind of this floater guy who, you know, was signed specifically in the offseason to get depth along the defensive line. We will see if he ends up being a two-day cut and re-sign, or if he just makes the team outright, depending on, on some other moves. At outside linebacker, Odafe Owe, Justin Houston, just a little salt and pepper. You got the young guy in Owe, the development guy, and then you got Houston, who is the veteran, who uh, I would love to see five sacks from this season, and I think that would be a strong season for him uh, at this point. Dalen Hayes is the other guy drafted out of Notre Dame two seasons, or not this draft, but the one before. He's becoming one of those guys very quickly who... The Ravens are waiting for that next step, waiting for that next step, and it hasn't quite happened, but he should make this team. Uh, and then there's the few, there's David Ojaba, who will start uh, on the PUP, who probably will make the roster and then move to the PUP. Steven Means, who has been an interesting sort of prospect player. He's not a young guy. He's a veteran uh, who sort of bounced around a little bit and then finally found some solidity with Atlanta last season. Is trying to hang on. He's picked the right position group. To, to join because there's not a lot of depth and not a lot of talent, particularly at this spot, so we'll see if he can hang on. And then inside linebackers, Patrick Queen, Josh Bynes, Malik Harrison are all in. I think the three of us are, are agreed that Josh Ross has played his way uh, onto the roster. And then you have Christian Welch, who's sort of a bubble guy. Guys, where do you stand on the defense with all these names? Uh, do you disagree with me on any of the in, in and out? Are you super concerned at a couple of these position groups, or is it just like, you know, they will, the Ravens will figure it out, and this will be sort of hopefully, a, whatever, top 15 defense, you know, just be in, in the top half uh, of the defenses across the country? Uh, God love him, but after watching Wink go, you know, single high, eight, sending eight, and not getting to the quarterback, <laughs> yeah, I can just pray for 15th overall. Um, I, I'll go in order this way. Very concerned about outside linebacker, slightly concerned about middle linebacker, not concerned about defensive line. And I'll tell you why. Um, outside linebacker, we mentioned it already. Uh, Ajabo is kind of that guy who is going to free up a spot in a couple days and they'll bring somebody in. Maybe a means. Outside linebacker for me looks to be the position that, and again, it's, it's a high value position. Rushing the passer is one of those. But a veteran that gets cut or a trade opportunity emerges for a late-round draft pick or what have you, DaCosta loves to wheel and deal around this time. The Ravens, traditionally, love to wheel and deal around final cut time, you know, trying to one man's trash, another man's treasure, that sort of thing. Even with their own guys trying to get draft picks because they're not going to be getting any, any compensatory picks in, in the next draft, which, you know, DaCosta loves more than anything on this planet. Um, middle linebacker. I, I think you nailed it with Josh Ross, and, and we've talked about him already, so we don't need to go Ed, too far in depth there uh, with Josh Bynes and what have you. I think the amount, and we'll see with Mike, uh, with the with defensive coordinator. I almost said Mike McDaniel, who was the Dolphins coach. Mike McDonald, <laughs> excuse me. Um, I think we might see more single middle linebacker looks from this team based on the depth that they have in the defensive backfield and the lack of depth that they have in the inside linebacker position, you know, and a guy like Kyle Hamilton, should he progress and become the guy that we want him to be big enough to kind of be that in the box safety type. Chuck Clark can obviously do that as well. And when you have your deep free safety and Marcus Williams, it kind of eases off 
the absolute pressure to have your Ray Lewis and name the guy next to him in the 3-4 defense for years. The guy that got broke off in free agency and then never lived up to the hype because they were playing next to Ray Lewis in the in the middle of the defense. Uh, so uh, What's up, Ed Hartwell? Yeah, there's Ed Hartwell. <laughs> I mean, there's just name your guy. There's so many of them. Probably most of them have been on the random Raven list so far. Uh, and then defensive line I'm not as worried about because this, this group is deep and this group has been impressive uh, in the preseason. You know, Travis Jones, obviously – is the big miss here because he is, he's been probably the star of these preseason games and he's going to miss some time with an injury. Uh, you know, obviously it's not serious. Thank God. Uh, and then for Isaiah Mack, Isaiah Mack is a guy who I think like earlier is going to make this team because he provides a pass rush in the middle, which you don't, if you don't have a lot of it on the outside, you want to collapse the pocket in the middle, get right up in the face, excuse me, of the quarterback and, it makes your job easier for your Adafi Owe's and your Justin Houston's, frankly. And if you don't have Travis Jones doing it early, Isaiah Mack is a dude who can fill that role. A dude who would have to go on waivers, by the way, so every team would have a chance to claim him before he cleared waivers, and that would never happen here. So I think you're going to see this with the, a Brent Urban type. I think he might be – he's a prime candidate who might actually push out Tony Jefferson. We'll see. Of a – Stay, stay put. We're going to put a Jabo. We're going to put some other guys on IR and then bring you back in. Um, but, yeah, for me, I mean, look at this. I mean, you just look at the list. Calais Campbell, Michael Pierce, Justin Matabuke are your starters. And then you can rotate in with Isaiah Mack, Travis Jones, one healthy, Broderick Washington, and potentially Brent Urban. That's, that's a very, very good defensive line and a, ma- a vast improvement, excuse me, from what you had last season. Tim, I love all of that. Uh, with the depth and talent at defensive line, they hopefully should be very strong at stopping the run, and that gives you a little bit of protection yeah. when you're doing the one inside linebacker sure. as opposed to two. And guess what you can do then with your safety in the box? Cover. Cover people, and then hopefully tackle, because the Ravens have struggled with both of those things over the last, I don't know, season and a half. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that's a, some really good insight there defensively. Tim, what are you, or Jace, what are your thoughts uh, on these different lines? Yeah, so this exercise made me really excited for some things and very concerned <laughs> for for other things. I mean, we, we talked about it. I'm very excited about the secondary, and you run through those names. It kind of in part explains why a guy like Tony Jefferson is, you know, getting released. And as we said, he might end up back. But they're still very deep, even if he, they don't bring him back. The defensive line, I agree. I'm very excited about the defensive line. It, it It's... A big improvement. And then you look at those outside linebacker position, and you really are really banking heavily on the growth of Adafi Owe. And if that doesn't translate to games, you're in trouble. Because, you know, I've liked Stephen Means. He's been fine. He's played a ton in the preseason. He's probably the guy I've noticed the most out there. (laughs) Um, But... You know, there's a reason he's battling for a roster spot. He's not a difference maker. Uh, and no offense to him with that, but, like, they... they Owe is the only difference maker they have at outside linebacker. Uh, and that's, you know, assuming he has more than whatever the five and a half, six sacks he finished with last season. So, that made me very concerned. And then I might even actually be more concerned about middle linebacker, just because I, I at least do believe in Adafi Owe. But, like... We're talking about this this Josh Ross Christian Wel- Christian Welch battle, and you know there's pros and cons to each. I'd love Ross to make it. I think I read there's been an undrafted free agent 
make the Ravens 17 in the last 18 years. And if it's going to happen again, Ross is the guy. And, you know, we know what Christian Welsh is, but they like their special teams guys, and they let Chris Board go, so maybe they'll keep Christian Welch. But, um, you know, they're battling for this, like, fourth linebacker spot, but that just kind of glosses over the fact the top three are Patrick Queen, Josh Bynes, and Malik Harrison. We have giant question marks about all of those guys. We love Josh Bynes, but there's a reason he keeps getting released and coming back to the Ravens, then getting released and coming back. We yeah, he's 400 compl- years old, that's why. <laughs> we haven't complained about a player more in the history of the show, I think, than Patrick Queen. <laughs> and he's our undisputed number one linebacker inside. It, it's just, a, it's cause for concern. So I'm very concerned about the linebacker level, uh, outside and inside. But then very happy with the defensive line and the defensive backs. So... As Tim kind of said, maybe that that just kind of evens out in the end and we get another team that gets, like, no sacks, but they cover pretty well and they, you know, maybe go 10th to 15th best defense. I, maybe better. They have, The defensive line has potential. They should be good against the run again. They were actually number one last year, even with mid all those injuries. So, um, you know, if they can cover better, they'll naturally improve. And I do like the secondary depth they have. But, yeah, I'm very concerned about the – the interior uh, of this defense and this whole exercise kind of exposed that to me. And uh, I don't know. I don't know how you solve that. <laughs> Jason, I'm going to push back just a little. And I I am the optimist of the three of us. And yet <laughs> I pushed against this player a lot um, in terms of not being pleased with his first two <laughs> seasons, if we know who I'm talking about already. But I'm going to push back now on Patrick Queen. Um any guesses quickly about how old you think Patrick Queen is today? Oh, Twenty-one. Like twenty-three, twenty-four. He is he is twenty-three as of a couple of weeks ago. So he's a third-year player at twenty-three years old, who had, did not have a lot of game experience at LSU, but had the talent. You know, blah blah blah. We've seen the the mistakes. We've seen the tackles not being made. But if your first-round pick is going to develop, you got to give him a little bit of time to develop, and he's still extremely young, and in the sense that they want Odafe Owe to take a step up from year one to year two, they are expecting their first-round draft pick at inside linebacker to take a step up from year two to year three. He does not have to be a pro bowler. He has to improve tackling, he's got to cover a little bit better, and he makes the occasional, what, like, missed gap, right, in terms of reading what his assignment is. That stuff should be fixable, in theory, for a super young player who has the physical attributes. Let's see if it happens. Yeah, that's easier said than done, but a half step up from one season to the next, I don't think is, you know, it would be as improbable. Let's put it that you way. Know, so, sorry, go I was just going to say, you know what I've found? That as you get older, it's harder to keep weight off, too. So maybe he'll actually bulk up a little bit. <laughs> maybe have a pizza or two and an Italian cold cut. And so that when Derrick Henry is steaming down his face, he can actually make a hit and drive people back for some TFLs rather than getting steamrolled every time he actually gets the correct gap. And those are the time he, times he gets the correct gap, and he doesn't miss the gap. So but you listed a lot of things there, Antonio, that needs to be worked on. Tackling better, pretty important for a linebacker. Recognizing offensive schemes, pretty important for a middle linebacker, a man who might be calling defense with Chuck Clark not on the field as much anymore. Hitting your gaps in the run game. Very important for a lot. I don't disagree with you. That these are all things that can be improved on. 
But that's a lot of things to be improved on. People don't forget uh, Jarek McKinnon running over Patrick Queen. Five foot nine Jarek McKinnon running over Patrick Queen last season. People don't forget. But we will see. We will see with him. All right, let's turn uh, offensively now. Let me start with quarterback. That'll be Lamar Jackson and Tyler Huntley. A pretty strong one, too. Uh, the running back room is an interesting one. Tim kind of talked about this a little bit earlier on. J.K. Dobbins, Mike Davis, Justice Hill, Tyler Beatty, and then Patrick Ricard in that full, obviously the fullback spot. That seems to be the five. Uh, Nate McCrary for the second consecutive season, kind of on the outside looking in. Gus Edwards will go to the PUP list and then uh, hopefully see him in a couple of weeks. The wide receiver room, Rashad Bateman. Another guy that we're expecting some step, a little bit of step up, but obviously showed all sorts of talent and promise as a rookie. And now we'll just be getting more balls thrown to him, quite frankly, uh, with Hollywood Brown being in Arizona. Devin DuVernay, James Prochet, Demarcus Robinson, you can put that in pen now, uh, and then Tylen Wallace probably having a big special teams role. I, I thought Shamar Bridges had a better chance than not uh, of sticking with this team uh, the consensus seems to be against me in terms of the media and my co-host, but we'll we'll see what happens with him, and I'll let my co-host tell me uh, why I'm wrong with with thinking that Bridges may make this team a tight end. Mark Andrews, Nick Boyle, Isaiah Likely. It's a strong trio. Uh, Charlie Kohler is going to go on the roster and then move to uh, the PUP or IR for for uh, I would say maybe half the season. Josh Oliver on the outside looking in after scraping and clawing to make this team last season. It looks like, you know, when they draft two tight ends the following offseason, it's sort of the writing is on the wall, and Josh Oliver has not done enough uh, in the preseason to, to grab one of those spots, so he's likely out. And then the offensive line, which we talked about a little bit in our last episode. There's ten guys that are making this team, uh, and that pushes out players who had a ton of snaps last season with the Ravens. So the guys in, Ronnie Stanley, Ben Powers, Tyler Linderbaum, Kevin Zeitler, Morgan Moses, that looks to be the starting five, Patrick McCarry, Jawan James, Daniel Falele, Tyree Phillips, and Ben Cleveland as the reserves. Tristan Colon, who did a lot of things multiple seasons for the Ravens, likely on the outside looking in, as are David Sharp. And Khalil McKenzie, who I, th I believe played a little bit with the Ravens uh, last season. Question marks, guys. Things you like. Depth. Disagreements about who is in and who is out on the offensive side. Yeah. Well, sorry, go ahead, Jason. Well, I was going to say, just with the wide receiver uh, situation, I, I think, you know, the lack of production the last two weeks, I think, certainly didn't help Bridges' case, but... I think it kind of comes down to, I think, you know, Tim mentioned earlier, like a numbers game, and you're keeping 10 offensive linemen, it looks like, and, uh, you know, three tight ends. Uh, we, Patty Ricard, another tight end slash fullback. Um, you know, it, there's just, like, not that many places, and I think when it comes down to it, they're just going to opt for a guy like Wallace, who was, you know, he's a second-year player. He's fourth-round pick. They don't like to kind of give up on those guys this early. And so even if he hasn't, like, shined, I think they're just going to kind of default to Tylen Wallace being that last receiver, uh, especially after they bring in Demarcus Robinson. And he plays well, and, you know, they guaranteed him, like, just shy of a million bucks. Um, so it kind of seems like he's a lock. And I, I think signing him kind of locked everything into place. It kind of, I think, came down to just one spot. 
and it was Wallace or Bridges or one of the other undrafted guys, and uh, I think they're just kind of defaulting to Tylen Wallace because, yeah, he's a recent draft pick and he plays special teams. I don't know that it's anything he did, really, but I think that's pretty much all that kind of goes into that decision in my mind, anyway. I should have gone first because that was my exact point. The, the, <laughs> the, Ravens, the Ravens are not going to give up on a second-year pick, um, a fourth-round pick to, you know, not high but not low, but pretty much right in the middle if you look at the seven rounds. <laughs> um, you know, he, he has been hurt a lot, which is a problem. Obviously, this offseason he's been dealing with a knee injury as well. But he is a draft pick, a recent draft pick, and a guy who is a good – not only plays special teams, but is a good special teams player for them. It, it's a numbers game with that uh, and Shamar Bridges. On, on all the other spots, I, I already talked about the running back room. Gus Edwards not being there probably is going to free some a spot up. And then depending on how they feel about J.K., basically. Apparently, J.K. has been screaming to get on the field, and they're basically, like, holding him back, um, and, which, you know, they should because a player is always going to want to play regardless of how hurt they are usually. And I'm interested in Tyler Beatty. You know, Tyler Beatty did some kickoff stuff against the Commanders as well. Um, excuse me, against the commies as well. I'm just going to call him that from now on. So maybe that gives him a shot as a guy who could also do that. But he is an interesting – Beatty is the one that's interesting for me because I think with the uncertainty with Edwards and um, – I should say certainty with Edwards, he's not there, and J.K. Dobbins, I think they keep the veteran in Mike Davis even though he hasn't, you know, shined or been, you know, awesome in preseason. Beatty's the one that I'm – you know, six-round pick – I know we just said they don't like getting rid of picks, but that one I could see them kind of just being like, well, you know, look, that was we kind of took a flyer and it hasn't really worked out. So he's the guy for me that I think is the most interesting. And we did the offensive line earlier. So, you know, hit that, as Antonio said earlier, hit that back 15 like a bunch, and then you can get to the beginning <laughs> where we talked about the offensive line. Guys, favorite position groups offensively. Uh, it's either quarterback or tight end. But why is it tight end? And it's definitely tight end because of all the depth there. I'm so excited about Isaiah Likely. I'm just kidding. Obviously, the quarterback is important. We're feeling pretty good about Lamar Jackson. Haven't seen him. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard, but he added 20 pounds of muscle, and, and everything looks good, and he looks so great in practice. But uh, Tim looks like he's dying to, <laughs> dying to get something Well, in. I just want to say sorry. I... I because Raven, the Ravens people that listen to this are going to be like, I can't believe they covered this. We had a pre-show meeting. We're not going to cover this because Ravens Twitter is not today. Ravens Twitter is stupid. But we do have to mention, maybe you're not feeling as good about the quarterback because Lamar said somebody was like, why, didn't, uh, why haven't they offered him the $250 million guaranteed? You're making a mistake. And some guy was like, oh, they already offered him that. Some idiot, by the way, who doesn't have any inside sources, just a fan just saying something. And Lamar replies to that. No, they didn't. So that's great. Twitter's going into a meltdown. But by the way, if you listen to this podcast, we would have told you the Ravens are not going to offer him $250 million fully guaranteed. That's not how this works. So everybody calm down. And then Lamar liked a picture of uh, him in, my, in a Miami Dolphins jersey. So that combined with um, the $250 million thing, people are losing their minds. So maybe some people aren't feeling as confident about the quarterback. I am. But, I mean, yeah, the tight ends are better, right? Mark Andrews and Isaiah Likely. you got two all-pros there on either side of the offensive line. Let's go. Yeah, I, the only thing I need to say about Lamar is Ravens Twitter's been driving me insane lately. <laughs> and I, you know, it's and you got RG3 out here saying Lamar should make $318 million fully guaranteed. Shut up, RG3. <laughs> Shut up. And, you know, uh, and then everyone agreeing with him, like, yeah, why are the Ravens doing this? It's like, what? 
What planet am I on? Do you not know how any of this works? Like, <laughs> uh, it's driving me insane, and that's all I have to say about it. Really, is uh, Raven's Twitter is always on one. I think they're one of the more. Maybe it's just because we're in it. Uh, but Raven's Twitter is intense, and it's, it's all the new people that crazy. came with Lamar Jackson. It's all the new Ravens fans that came in and were like. Wait, what? This team is, like, is sensible? Let's get crazy. Shut up. This team knows how to operate. We've been doing this for years. It's the reason we're not the stupid Cleveland Browns off for... Not even going to go there. We're not, it's not the reasons we're usually not the Cincinnati Bengals. It's the reason that we compete with the New England Patriots and the Pittsburgh Steelers year after year after year. Shut up. Go do something with your life. You don't have to sit on Twitter. I, my job, half of my job is to sit on Twitter, and I hate it. You, How bad is your life if you're sitting going... Hashtag Ravens, hashtag Lamar, and just searching and doom scrolling until he signs a new new deal. It just oh, it drives me crazy, and we're not going to talk about it. We said we we're not going to talk about it, but I here's know. us talking about it. Uh, my, 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 my message to Ravens Nation, I was here for Anthony Wright. I was here for Tony Banks. I've been here for a long time, and I will be here for as long as I'm on this earth. I will be a Ravens fan longer than Lamar Jackson is on the team. <laughs> I will always be a Ravens fan and just calm down. <laughs> this is a pro. This is not an It'll anti-Lamar okay. podcast. It's not, it's an not an anti-Lamar. It's a pro-Lamar podcast. Calm down, everybody. Yeah, but, just, everything's going to be okay. It'll all work out. <laughs> and that was this week's What's Bothering Jason Tim. Uh, we will be back <laughs> next week for... Uh, what's bothering them which is probably going to be the same thing because uh, this will never die no it's going to be Joe Flacco throwing <sighs> five touchdowns and we're all so terrified of that that's what's going to speaking of watched, I watched way too many snaps of Joe Flacco in a preseason game through a horrendous interception so I, that made me feel a little bit better about, the, about week one it was, uh, it was not good it was, it was that, the bad version of Joe Flacco the not elite version of Joe Flacco alright Last thing uh, before we pivot to the random Raven and some season-long predictions here. Uh, we found something from Jason Fitzgerald at Over the Cap, uh, and I believe Tim had this. So, Tim, if you want to break this down for us, it's a, it's a nice little boost, a nice, you know, positive boost about how the Ravens, like, don't worry, guys, the Ravens are good at this. And here's some math to show why, Tim. Yeah, I just thought this was cool. The Over the Cap guys, people that dive into salary numbers and what have you. Um, right now, as we get to the final cutdown, this is the tweet from Jason, and I actually just saw the threaded tweet, which makes me laugh even harder, so we'll get to that in just a second. As we get to final cutdowns, here are the teams with the most original signings still competing for a spot in the NFL. So either drafting or undrafted free agents, the these guys, their first team was this, and they're still competing for a chance in the NFL. Number one, the Baltimore Ravens with 112. The Baltimore Ravens know how to scout talent and talent that everybody else likes and then you could argue that maybe people are just like oh that the ravens liked him there might be something there and it was a miss anyway that's fine here's the flip side you know who's the worst team is with people still competing uh from original signings the pittsburgh steelers with 57 57 players so maybe the steelers have been uh, really bad at drafting recently that's no, that's a joke they're still going to be very competitive with kenny pickett it's going to be very annoying um, but yeah, I just thought it was a, it was a nice little nugget. And just a reminder, again, from my last rant, the Ravens know what they're doing, everybody. Calm the F down. They know what they're doing. All right, with that, Jace is up this week with the Random Ravens. So Jace, what do you have for us? 
Well, this is a, this is a tough random raven for the ravens know what they're doing crowd because uh, <laughs> this, this is this is a, this is this is a rough one, but uh, it's a fun one. It's a personal favorite, and uh, yeah, I, I I just enjoyed putting this one together a lot. So here we go. Um, this player was drafted by the Ravens in the third round of the 2004 NFL Draft. He was their second selection in that draft. Uh, clue number two. He spent four years in Baltimore, but appeared in just 30 of a possible 64 games, playing three games, 10 games, and one game from 2004 through 2006. That's the season's how many games he played each year. Um, clue number three. Due to recurring injury issues, this wide receiver caught just two passes for five yards during his first three seasons in the NFL. <laughs> Clue number four, finally healthy in 2007, he appeared in all 16 games with the Ravens and caught his first touchdown. He finished the season with 18 catches for 326 yards and three touchdowns, thus ending his Ravens career with 20 catches for 331 yards and three touchdowns. Oh Clue number five, this player, who wore number 81, signed a three-year deal with the Chiefs uh, after the 2007 season, but played just one more season in the NFL before missing the 2009 season due to injury, after which he was released by Kansas City. Then I have a bonus clue and his college information if he so require it, but yeah, it's uh, light on stats because this guy did not produce much. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert, Jace, I'm going to require it when it comes to the, the <laughs> college stats, but I have... And there's just so many names, too. Yeah. So many potential busts. I should have said when it was like the Ravens, you know, original team players or whatever. That doesn't include wide receivers. I mean, they're, they're obviously <laughs> wide receivers in that list, but that's the one glaring omission from Ravens' success when it comes to scouting. Uh, I have one name, but it really is just, you know, wide receiver bust. I don't think the number's right. I don't think the year is right, yeah. but... You know, there's a few options there for sure. So that'll be a nice test for the listener. Uh, if they get that, please let us know. Uh, and then I'm curious to hear the bonus clue. We'll have Jace read that at the end of the episode. All right. With that, it's time to do some season-long predictions. We're going to bet, in theory, some over-unders uh, for the Ravens and some other teams and maybe make some uh, big picks in terms of just how far certain teams can go this season. Guys, should we cover our other teams for over-unders first and finish with the Ravens? What do you think about that? That work, right. works. Yeah, let's do that. So I have – I'm gonna. let's just get into it. I'm going to do my first one, and then maybe we'll rotate, and then I'll come back with some other, some other thoughts. But this is the one that I teased in the intro, and it's not good, but I'm intrigued by it. I must admit, I am intrigued. And it is the over – Six and a half wins for the Carolina Panthers. The Carolina Panthers, who last season went 5-12. and 12. But here's my pitch to you guys. Last season, they went 5-12 and 12 with Sam Darnold and the corpse of Cam Newton. They have a strong receiving core of... I'm going to pull it up to get all the names right here. DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, and then young guy Terrace Marshall Jr., who did not shine uh, as a rookie but is entering his second year they have a strong running back if he can play more than six games in christian mccaffrey <laughs> drafted uh Ika McQuanu with a top i think it was a top five pick to play left tackle he has looked strong the defense competent doesn't have to be great doesn't, just has to be competent and then they have baker mayfield playing quarterback this season and the real question is guys is baker mayfield 
two wins better than Sam Darnold and the corpse of Cam Newton? And I say yes. And I say yes as a guy who made fun of Baker Mayfield many a time uh, when he was a Cleveland Brown. But this is still the rookie touchdown pass record setter, at least at the time. Won a playoff game against Pittsburgh. Played the Chiefs to the wire, basically, in a playoff game. He is much better than Sam Darnold. <laughs> He's much better than the Cam Newton of last season in Carolina. And this team just has to go 7-10. and 10. And I'm going to read through the schedule for Carolina. Cleveland, week one, the Baker Mayfield plays Cleveland week one. That's almost like kind of a steal win for them against Jacoby Brissett. They play the New York Giants. They play New Orleans, Arizona, San Francisco, Los Angeles. That'll be a fun three-week stretch for them. Oh, and then Tampa after that. But then Atlanta, Cincinnati, Atlanta, Baltimore, Denver, Seattle, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Tampa Bay, and New Orleans. There are winnable games. There are many winnable games. Two against Atlanta, one against the Giants, the Seattle game, the Detroit game. They play New Orleans twice. Maybe they split the New Orleans. I just think it's possible, dare I say likely, that this team wins seven games and goes seven and ten and your bet covers and potentially go eight and nine. And I think Baker Mayfield is not amazing, not a pro bowler, but is he good enough to improve this team by two wins? Yes. Yes, I do. And I am very intrigued by the Panthers over six and a half. I agree with Antonio. I don't think Tim agrees. So I'm going to just kind of lay out and uh, give him the floor because I think he has some things to say. It's, it's just, it's funny because like <laughs> the one thing, as somebody that works in radio, you know, you're never going to contrive a point. You're never going to make up a take. Well, if you're Skip Bayless, maybe, but you know, I think one of the things about this podcast, we're going to get real real is sometimes we agree with each other too much and that we're all like-minded. We're all even keeled for the most part. I mean, you two are even keeled. Um, I'm, I'm a bit nuts, but I could not disagree with you guys more. I think, first of all, we should add, they did trade for LaVisca Chenault on Monday, so there's another receiving option. Woohoo! For Baker Mayfield. Um, here's the case against the Panthers. Matt Rule has more spit on his smock than he does wins in the National Football League. The guy is an incompetent coach who they gave the reins to, thinking he was going to be some revolutionary guy. And all he does is drool on the sidelines. He is no good at, at, at anything. You're talking... Then, let's go to Baker Mayfield. Let's go to Baker... You're praising Baker Mayfield. It was the Browns who did that well. And I'm praising the Browns here. He was the reason that they were not better than what they should have been. It is going to be the most Baker Mayfield thing of all time. He's going to run out in the Panthers thing. He's going to plant the flag at midfield against the Browns. And then he's going to throw four picks, and they're inexplicably going to lose <laughs> to the Cleveland Browns in that opening week game. And we're all going to laugh even – we're all even going to laugh at that, even though the Browns are, you know, the worst in a heinous franchise. That being said, I went through, as Antonio mentioned this to me uh, before the show, he's like, I'm going to try and convince you about this. I went through the schedule. I was being generous. I have four wins. I have four. I don't even have this Browns game. You know, the Baker thing, kind of a joke. Yes, he's an, he's an upgrade on Sam Darnold. Fine. I have them beating the Browns. It's going to be ugly. Hopefully it's not on red zone because I don't want my TV just just vomiting out Browns-Panthers. Uh, Browns 
I don't think they beat the Giants away from home. I think the Giants are Danny Dimes is going to surprise some people. They're not beating the Saints either time. The Saints are a much better team than them. I'll give them one Falcons game. One. <laughs> I think they are on a level, if not slightly worse, than the Falcons. Desmond Ritter, Marcus Mariota, whoever you want. I have them beating the Seahawks. And that's generous. Pete Carroll might know something about Geno Smith that nobody else knows. But you know what? Fine. <laughs> let's give it to him. And let's see. That game is in Seattle, and I'm giving them that one late December. And then I'll give them the Lions game, even though Dan Campbell might have turned this team around a little bit. That's four. I see no other victories for this team. I don't see either Saints game. I don't even see the Cardinals, who are a dumpster fire. I don't think they beat them. No chance they beat the Niners, even if Trey Lance is absolutely horrible. L.A., the Bucks, the Bengals, the Ravens. Both Bengals and Ravens are away games, by the way. Uh, the Steelers late in the year when they've actually figured their ish out, not going to happen. The Broncos, Russell Wilson going to come and drop bombs to Tim Patrick, or I think Tim Patrick's out. Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, what have you. There is no way this team gets to seven wins. I'll give you five. Maybe they beat the Daniel Jones, or maybe they actually do sweep the Atlanta Falcons. Fine. Even if both of those things come true, that's six, and that's still the under. I think the Panthers are one of the worst teams in the National Football League. I think they... They have a, a re crazy owner who gave Matt Rule all this money and is going to completely regret it and probably cut him. He's going to be like the, he's trying to be Jerry Jones of a team that nobody cares about at all. It's the Panthers. I just I can't see it. I cannot see it. I'm not, I'm not trying to get this vitriolic about Carolina because, again, who cares? But I just there's no way that they get to seven. Not a chance. Not a chance. I still think they do, but that's the funny thing with this team is it's like, wow. like how many games do they actually have to win to save Matt Rule's job? Like they have to go to the playoffs, right? Like that's the thing. I'm like, even if they win seven or eight games, like he's probably still gonna get fired. So that, and, and when the coach enters, we saw it last year. Uh, I can kind of use this to jump into my 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 pick, I guess. Um, but we saw this last year with Matt Nagy, head coach of the Chicago Bears, uh, a guy everyone knew was gonna get fired. Uh, and then he went out and they went like six and eleven or whatever, and he got fired. And but was um, it seven and ten, Jace? Because that would that would be enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so I do think the Panthers will be improved. Baker Mayfield's obviously a step up. But listen yeah, to what I, you're I just, saying. Listen to that <laughs> sentence. Listen to the it. Seven wins. That's not that big an ask. Oh, the Falcons went seven and ten last year too. <laughs> um, but just to circle back to the Bears. Uh, they're my pick. I think Bears under 6.5 uh, is uh, tasty to me because this is built of my belief that the Chicago Bears are going to be the worst team in the NFL this year. Um, they, uh, you know, I mentioned they brought Matt Nagy back for one more year. They let Ryan Pace draft Justin Fields. Uh, and then the Bears, as they're uh, prone to do, decided to promptly clean house. And the new GM regime of Ryan Poles and uh, Matt Eberflus clearly don't care about Justin Fields that much because they're putting him behind what's probably the worst offensive line in the league with just abjectly terrible, uh, like objectively terrible skill position players pretty much outside of Darnell Mooney. And, uh, you know, I guess David Montgomery's still there, but good luck running behind that line. Uh, they have no weapons. Their offensive line's probably the worst in the league. Fields wasn't great as a rookie. He was 7-10. and 10. They hire a defensive coach. Um, they clearly don't seem to be committing to him. Uh, and, you know, on the defense, they traded Khalil Mack. <laughs> That's not going to help them uh, 
what was an okay defense last year. That's not going to help. Uh, they're going to get worse on that side. There's a lot of young guys. It's just a full rebuild, and I think it's a full rebuild where they don't care about the quarterback they have. And, um, yeah, I think the Bears are going to be the worst team in the NFL. There's just not a lot of talent here, and uh, I don't think they've done enough to help their uh, young quarterback kind of overcome the issues they're certainly going to be facing with that line and those uh, skill position guys. So, yeah, it's not too complex. I don't need to, I think, run through the schedule. I just think the Bears are going to be awful, and I feel better about some of the bad teams. Like, I think the Texans are going to, you know, there's teams that have lower wins, but, you know, the coach I'm not in love with. I We haven't seen him coach before, but there's just a lot to hate about the Bears, and I think they're going to be the worst team in the NFL this year. So I think under 6.5 is uh, my pick for one of my uh, picks. For those of you who just hated that last segment of me disagreeing, here's here's the flip side. I completely 1,000% agree with Jay Sevens <laughs> that the Chicago Bears are going to be the worst team in the National Football League, even worse than Captain Spittle and the uh, Carolina Panthers. <laughs> they made their offense objectively worse for Justin Fields, who was, you know, terrible situation with Matt Nagy, who was, you know, a horrible coach. But, you know, this is a worse situation. You talk about the Ravens receivers. Outside of Darnell Mooney, the other starters are Byron Pringle, Equimania St. Brown, who the bad St. Brown, and Nikhil <laughs> Harry, who they just traded a seventh-round pick for. Those are your receivers that he's going to be throwing to. Oh, and excuse me, Velas Jones Jr., the third-round pick, who was already, like, 26 years old. Um, so that's great. David Montgomery is the most boring. Anybody who's had him in fantasy, I know that doesn't really matter, is probably one of the most boring players in the National Football League who also doesn't produce. The offensive line is garbage. And the defense is the best thing I can say is second-round uh, safety Jaquan Brisker has shown progress in preseason. That's all I got for you. They also they play the AFC East, which, again, includes the Buffalo Bills, a revamped Dolphins team, and – the Patriots, who knows, and the NFC East, which has the Dallas Cowboys, the Eagles as well, uh, and then from there, you know, fine. Maybe they'll win that legacy. It's like the the game that the Giants are wearing their, like, retro jerseys for, and Eli Manning will probably come out and make the sixth speech since his retirement, and that might be a battle <laughs> for the Bears in prime time. So for that um, – oh, oh, and their other team, by the way, is the Texans, who I don't have them in over-under – but I kind of like the Texans to be better than you think. I think Davey Mills might be okay. Um, so I just I think the Bears are a dumpster fire. I think Eberflus is basically the holdover, the guy we all thought Brandon Hyde was until the Orioles just kept winning. There's a reference for you. <laughs> um, and yeah, I just I think they're a disaster of a franchise, and I don't see I don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I think we're going to be having as we get into draft season next year, we're going to be having the conversations. Do they stick with Justin Fields or maybe go for C.J. Stroud? And that just becomes the narrative. You know, I, I had some questions for my second choice. I was going to do over 11.5 for the Bills because just the talent is there and they'd have to go 12-5. and five. I wanted to take under 8.5 for Miami because it just seemed fun to root against whatever they're doing down in Miami. They're at 8.5. I could see that team just having a losing record. That's all it would take for that bet. But Jace has convinced me. I'm all in on the Bears being terrible. <laughs> he went through a lot of names, and they weren't good. And six and a half wins is tough, uh, unless you're the Carolina Panthers. So I'm going to take under six and a half <laughs> with Chicago as well. It, it does seem like they are intentionally trying to lose games, and I will take that money. Uh, I'll take that free money uh, at any opportunity when they're yeah. seemingly trying to tank. And six and a half is extremely high 
for a team that's trying to... I guess it's the 17 games that, that makes that number sort of seem a bit inflated, but my goodness, 5-12 and 12 for this team seems... Well, even six. Yeah, just winning six games seems like a challenge for this team. So yeah, that, I, I love such, it, Chase. That's such a good point, Antonio. Yeah, like, you look at all these teams, like, pretty much every other team is trying to win except the Bears. Uh, in, like, the whole NFL, you look at the Bears and you're like, oh, that's a team that they, they're not thinking Super Bowl in uh, 2022 uh, or even playoffs. So, yeah, that's there's money to be made there is our lesson, I think. <laughs> all right, so where are we at? Tim, you have... Uh... Any other yes. over-unders before we get to the Ravens? Yeah, so I have a couple I have a couple here that I just want to throw out, and I'm not going to dive deep into them because they're not the ones that I I love the most. Um, but I do have two more off of the Bears as well. Cards minus 8.5. That Cardinal situation from the video game, Twitch streaming to whatever with Kyler Murray, that could go south really quick, and they're in, they're in a decent division. We'll see with Trey Lance. Um, on that as well, 49ers minus uh, under 9.5, excuse me, if the Trey Lance thing just – blows up they have restructured jimmy g's contract at time of recording so he is going to stay there and they're still like this is trey lance's team not if you're keeping jimmy g around two quarterbacks no quarterbacks that whole situation there titans under nine and a half although they have a relatively easy schedule i just think this titans team is just bleh. and if you're betting on the derrick henry down year maybe that and then i just have two more here quickly i'll go with the one i don't like as much because the minnesota vikings are getting a lot of love but people are forgetting that this is the Minnesota Vikings. And it's they have a new coach and it's you know it's a Kevin O'Connell era. It's no more Mike Zimmer. They obviously have the offensive weapons, Justin Jefferson, maybe arguably the best receiver in the league, uh, not named Cooper Cup in my opinion. Um, you have you obviously have Adam Thielen there, Kirk Cousins, good stats guy, but watch him play. Like I, I still don't get that. Dalvin Cook if healthy, incredible. They've got a very, they've got a good defense with guys. You know, they they were the ones who stole Zadarius Smith uh, to go onto that defense that already has some studs. And I looked at their schedule and I went through, and being very generous, I gave them eleven wins. And that was questionable games against the Dolphins. I gave them one against the Packers, and I gave them the home game against the Patriots. The, those were questions to me. So take all three of those out and they only have eight wins, and their over-under is eight and a half. If they get two out of those three questionable wins based on the other games that they have on their schedule, Vikings eight and a half, I, I kind of like the over. I don't think they're taking that division from Aaron Rodgers. I think the whole Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is an absolute weirdo, as we all know, but I still think he's the king of that division. Uh, yeah, we don't have to talk Aaron Rodgers. We're, we're running short on time as it is. Um, but eight and a half over on the Vikings is, is pretty interesting to me. And then the other one, the one that I love the most, because, yes, I'm a cynic. Um, can someone tell me when we all just assumed Josh McDaniels was a great head coach? <laughs> I know it was years ago when he was uh, with Denver. But we all know how that went. It was horrible. The guy was too big for his britches. He thought he was the King S. He thought he was Belichick light. And he frankly wasn't. Now he goes into a situation in, in uh, Las Vegas with the Raiders where they basically have Derek... Car, if you look at the contract for like one more year and then they can kind of move on from that contract it's a very team-friendly contract darren waller is doing a hold in they get there was reports that he was injured and then all of a sudden it's no he wants more money he wants to be paid like a top three tight end of the league which he might be talent wise but he's in his 30s right now and he's he's not somebody that is completely reliable you're not going to dump a bunch of cap money on darren waller Devonte adams is great sure the defense 
is fine to bad. And the offensive line by the likes of like Brandon Thorne, who's a very like an offensive line expert and the, the, the Jeff Schwartz's of the world, the guys, the Andrew Whitworths, the retired guys, uh, offensive linemen who are on Twitter uh, and kind of breaking down film and stuff, the fun stuff have ranked this Raiders offensive line as one of the worst in the league. So now you get into the situation where you've got the glitz and the glamour. You've got Josh McDaniels who, again, out without Belichick, we saw was a not, not a very good head coach, although it was a long time ago, in basically a win-now situation with Derek Carr. And then you look at what they have to play, right? So they are the they're, – they're, it's eight and a half, as I mentioned before. They're the lowest team in the AFC West. The AFC West, somebody's got to be bad in that division, right? Eight and a half is the lowest win total in the AFC West. They obviously have to play the Chiefs twice – the Chargers twice, and Russell Wilson and the Broncos twice, who, sue me, I've always been on the Broncos, and now they have a quarterback, and now I'm kind of scared away. We're not going to get into that now. They have the AFC South, which, again, some winnable games, but if you think the Raiders are just going to be fine, Colts could be good. Titans could be good. Jaguars can upset. If Trevor Lawrence progresses like we think, and he, you know, he has a real head coach now, maybe they pull off an upset once or twice. We talked about Davey Mills and the Texans. Again, I think those, la- those latter two are wins, but not easy, easy, easy games. And then they play the NFC West with the defending champion Super Bowl, uh, defending Super Bowl champion Rams, excuse me, the 49ers who you think might be good. The Cardinals, if they get the Cardinals early, I have to look it up. That's when the Cardinals are amazing. We'll have to see that. And if they get them late, that's when DeAndre Hopkins is back after the six-game suspension. And then their other game is against the Saints, who is another team that everybody's high on. And you know what? I'm buying in. Even with Jameis at the helm, I'm buying Saints. So eight and a half for a team that, again, has to play this AFC West schedule and Josh McDaniels, I'm, I'm not buying the Raiders hype. I'm not. So hit, give me the under for the Raiders. Tim, that's a pick uh, you said you loved. Um, my final pick that isn't the Ravens, we'll get into them in a moment, is one I hate, but one I think is a virtual lock. It is the Pittsburgh Steelers over seven and a half no. wins. Uh, no, you don't say that. <laughs> Antonio. They improved at QB. And this is a team that went 9-7-1 last season. It doesn't even matter who the QB is. Pickett, Trubisky. Like, I think they're going to be okay. They added a guy like who George Pickens, of all the rookies who tore up the preseason, I think he excited people like few did. We know he's going to kill the Ravens in a game or two down the line here. Uh, They have good weapons. Questionable line still. But um, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season as a head coach. The uh, Steelers, as a team, have not had a losing season since 2003. Are you telling me the Steelers are just suddenly because Ben Roethlisberger's not there? And look, Ben Roethlisberger, we made fun of him a lot on this program and on and off the air for, you know, the last 18 years. Um, But he he was a Hall of Fame QB. Uh, He's going to make the Hall of Fame. But... Uh, you know, he was bad. He was bad the last two seasons. After he blew his elbow out, he was never the same. He was afraid to get hit. He was afraid to hold the ball. He couldn't move. Uh, I just think they improved, uh, in that area. It, like, really, regardless of who they end up landing on, I, I think they'll give him a different dimension. The defense is basically the same. TJ Watt's still there. I know he banged up his knee a little bit the other day, but I think I hadn't heard anything super bad with that so it sounds like he'll be back um without any problems uh yeah i just the steelers don't you're you're, if you're going under seven and a half you're saying the steelers are going seven and ten and having a losing season i just don't see it um you know it's the pittsburgh steelers (laughs) with mike Tomlin. uh one of those things until he proves otherwise i think 
Mike Tomlin will find a way to at least go eight and nine with this group <laughs> at worst. So I think it's a lock. It's one of the things I feel strongest about of any team in the NFL is the Steelers over seven and a half. I hate it, but it is what it is. I have history on my side and, uh, you know, I'm just rolling with it. The seven Steelers over seven and a half until it doesn't happen. I have to assume it will just don't hit that number. See, I, I've just convinced myself that a bad Ben Roethlisberger could still like steal wins in the NFL, even with, you know, throwing the ball five yards and getting it out of his hand within two seconds every single snap. But I've just, you know, there was a reason that he is a Hall of Fame quarterback. He still couldn't get sacked. He still would just take, pull plays out of, you know, some place and turn them into first downs and touchdowns. And I've just convinced myself that, you know what, it is a step down from a Hall of Famer, even at his worst, <laughs> to... Kenny Pickett, who was drafted way higher than he would have been in a normal world, and he's just, he's a quarterback, so he gets drafted really high. We've seen Mason Rudolph. We've seen Mitch Trubisky. I just, I don't like it, and I don't want it, so I'm just screaming into the void that it is a step down at quarterback, and that they will be bad. Finally, one time in our lives. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, so the Ravens picks are left. Now, I know what my co-hosts have picked for this the Ravens line by the way is 10 and a half wins for the season and I can't decide whether to go first or last uh huh. I'm gonna go first I'm gonna go first I'm not gonna steal the last <laughs> try to steal the spotlight and yell into the mic I'm gonna go first the Ravens line 10 and a half and I not only am taking the over on the podcast but have officially <laughs> taken the over in a legal gambling capacity and i'm very excited about it and i'm gonna tell you guys why if lamar jackson plays this whole season really doesn't even have to be 17 games if he plays 15 games this season this bet will cover they will win more than 10 and a half games that is what he has proven over four you know four seasons with the winning percentage that at a certain point becomes a believable trend as opposed to just a blip a uh, statistical blip he will get there if he plays the Ravens' infrastructure went 8-9 and nine last season with dust at cornerback, uh, <laughs> powder on the offensive line, and I'm not even including Alejandro Villanueva, who had to retire immediately after the season because of how badly he played that year. They were a disaster in terms of injuries, and they still went 8-9, and nine, including the following losses, which I am going to read off. Oh, boy. In case you guys forgot. Why? I tried to. <laughs> a... A one-point loss to the Steelers where they went for two on the last play of the game. And if you go back and watch that, if you enjoy pain, it's a completable pass. Andrews is there, and that would have been a win with literally the last play of the game with the two-point conversion. They lost to Cleveland by two points. They lost to the Green Bay Packers by one point. They got blown out by Cincinnati. We don't talk about that game. They lost to the Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams by one point. And then they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the final game of the season in overtime. All with the backup quarterback and fifth stringers basically at every other position. This team is better than 8-9. and nine. They are miles better than 8-9. and nine, And they're going to prove it this season playing a fourth place schedule. I'm going to test you guys on this now. Can you guess the last time that the Ravens finished fourth in the division and thus played a fourth place schedule? What year was that? 
2011? Jason, any thoughts? No, it's... Uh... I was going to say 2015, but I think the Browns were still worse, managed to be worse that year. So I think it's 2007 was last year, so I guess it would have been in 2008. See, I don't know why I offer this up. It is 2007. (laughs) Fifteen years ago was the last time that the Ravens played a fourth-place schedule. That is going to be a big deal for this team. With healthy players, running backs who can actually run the ball and who are under the age of 30... An offensive line that I think will be not great maybe week one, but will be sorted by midseason. And then some interesting players. I say Ojabo. I don't have a ton to back this up. You know, we only have the college to back it up. Ojabo potentially coming midseason for pass rush help. Isaiah likely by that point will be going for rookie of the year. (laughs) And it is just a game with a schedule, excuse me, with a ton of winnable games. Jets, Dolphins, Patriots to start the year, Bills will be tough, Bengals will be tough, Giants, Browns with Jacoby Brissett, at Bucks will be tough, Saints, Panthers, Jaguars, home against the Broncos will be tough, at Steelers, at Browns, Falcons, Steelers, Bengals. I think this team has gone 12-5, and five. the line is 10.5, if I like it by more than a game, I like this bet, and I took this bet, so it has been taken. I'm all over the Ravens at plus ten and a half. Uh, excuse me, plus ten and a half wins. And not only that, I made a second wager. Official, in the book. I want it on the podcast. I want it on record. Ravens twenty to one to win the Super Bowl, and a wager has been placed on your 2022 Baltimore Ravens to win the Super Bowl. Will I hedge if they make it to the Super Bowl? Yep. <laughs> but for now, I'm all in on both of these bets. And I like this team, and I like the schedule, and then once you get to the playoffs, you know, anything can happen. And that's where I stand on this team. And I can't wait to get brought down by my two co-hosts, but that's where I stand on this team. See, I hear you, and you make some interesting points. But I don't love this Lamar stuff. Um, I, again, I'm not super worried about it, as, as Twitter is, you know, burning down at the moment. I'm not there. But it can be a concern. And the fact that he loves being mad online, uh, every time they have a bad game, he's going to respond to people on Twitter and stuff. I'm, I'm old school. I just don't like it. There are going to be injuries. And until this team gets through a season with a, because nobody's fully healthy, but a near full bill of health, I can't believe that. And then I look at the schedule. And I did, I did a quick mock-up, as Antonio was, was trying to convince us. And I will admit, probably cynically, I have 10 wins here. Um, I have losses. I basically went, because guess what happened? Split in the AFC North. They, they split <laughs> the Steelers. They split the Browns. They probably, they probably beat Deshaun Watson in Cleveland and lose to Jacoby Brissett in Baltimore, <laughs> if, if we're thinking of this right. And then, God willing, they split the Bengals. We'll have to see. Because I, I, I think people are discounting the Bengals right now, and it makes me a little bit nervous, even though with the Super Bowl loser bit. I have a loss to the Bills. Um, I have, and now I can't... Oh, a loss to the Bucks away. I have chicken scratch, so I couldn't even read this. And then the two that swing this, and I look, I, I'm Antonio's an optimist, I'm a pessimist, so I'm willing to kind of agree to disagree on this. Saints in prime time in New Orleans scares me. I know it's Jameis, I know. 
it's New Orleans. It's prime time. It's a tough place to go. The Ravens have won there in prime time away. I understand that. I, it just makes me nervous. And then the one that might swing it, I guess it wouldn't swing the, the it would swing the twenty, the ten and a half. If if you think of this, um, the Broncos coming into Baltimore. Uh, it's December. Uh, it probably is a very important game for both. I can see the Broncos being this holy crap. It's Peyton Manning in Denver again, or I can see people being like, you know what, Russell Wilson. As people, you know, I think Stephen Ruiz of the Athletic has, has hammered this home. Russell Wilson is not the same quarterback since he stopped scrambling to become a pocket passer. And maybe this whole Russell Wilson thing blows up in their face, and that's that turns into a win for the Ravens. At the moment, I'm not willing to go there, and so I have them at 10, but I do have them under. I had the exact same thing as Tim. When I was going through this exercise, I kept ending up at 10 and 7, and I would give different games losses depending on, I would be like, some wins, some losses, like... At New England Patriots just scares me a little bit yeah. because at New England Patriots, uh, it didn't go well the last time. The Chase, Ravens I'm driving up to New England for that game, so I just apologize in advance because they're going to break <laughs> my heart. At, for 14 hours round trip, they're definitely going to lose that game. It's just, it's a lot. Yeah, yeah it's unfortunately there's nothing we can do it is it is a lot <laughs> um, but uh, similarly, I, I I kept coming up with 10 and 7 uh, in this exercise, and I'll admit my because Antonio, you raised good points and you got me excited again. Lamar back, thirty-seven and twelve as a starter. Uh, you know, uh, he plays, they win, uh, and that's a good point. Um, uh, so I think it's just my pessimism about if the injuries linger or guys don't fully recover, either their old form or just in time. Um, and then the uh, roster exercise we did actually, just looking at how thin outside linebacker is and thinking this team's going to have eight sacks this year <laughs> and uh you know some of the quarterbacks they play and i'm with tim the Bengals scare me a bit uh you know they dropped 41 on the ravens each of last year's two games joe burrow threw for over a thousand yards that needs to improve <laughs> uh so there's there's just concerns i have tied to the injuries and, and just i think scarred in many ways from the worst case scenario of last season that like you know could it happen again it might and then we're kind of back in the same boat and there's just a lot you're relying on a lot of unknowns you know we think marcus williams is good we gave him a big free agent contract he should be good but you know he's never played for the ravens before we didn't see him a second in preseason he's been good in practices but Still have to see it on the field. Kyle Hamilton, same thing. And, uh, uh, you know, as a rookie and guys like Tyler Linderbaum, there's just concerns I have that have tempered my expectations, I think, for this team. I still think they'll be in the playoff mix because I don't think any team in the AFC North, like no one's running away with the AFC North. I think this is a division where teams are going to beat each other. You know, the Bengals won this division a year ago at 10-7, and seven, right? So... I don't think it's going to take, like, they still might win the division at 10-7, and 7, but I, I, it was hard for me to get above 10 wins, so I ended up taking the under along with Tim. But I will say, you you, you did encourage me more. I, I, I see I see the path. Uh, it, it just depends what uh, day or mo- mood you catch me in, I think, on if I go over this 10.5 number. For, today I'm under 10.5, but ask me... Ask me when the season's kicking off, and I'll say we're going thirteen and four and steamrolling to the AFC title game. So, <laughs> you know, 
I respect my respect my co-hosts on this. Hopefully, when the season starts, yeah, as Jace mentioned, they'll be they'll be supporting my uh, success, I guess, predictive <laughs> success, as opposed to hoping for under <laughs> under ten and a half wins. <laughs> yeah. Guys, the last thing we do this every year, so I want to make sure we get it on the record here. Maybe we'll then tweet it out and share it. Um, final AFC North standings. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give my prediction. I'm gonna put Ravens first, Bengals second. Steelers third, Browns fourth. This is where I fall. And this is really just my hope that the Browns season is just an unmitigated disaster. They still have a lot of talent, but I think they're going to have a lot of distractions. And Jace made some points about Pittsburgh. So Ravens, Bengals, Steelers, Browns for my four. Uh, where are you guys at in terms of the North standings? And then we'll do the random Raven and get out of here. Today, I think I'm Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, Browns. But... We beat the Bengals at Paul Brown in the playoffs. <laughs> I'll agree with Jace 100%. <laughs> All right, Jace, you are up to give us the random Raven clues one more time. And please give us that bonus clue. Because, yeah, I'll, uh, I'll throw... Uh, not, a lot of, not a lot of guesses uh, ready to go yet. And I'll throw his college information into uh, here. So this player was drafted by the Ravens in the third round of the 2004 NFL Draft out of Washington State. And he also played for Florida State in his college career. He was the second selection uh, that draft. Clue number two. This player spent four years in Baltimore, but appeared in just 30 of a possible 64 games, playing three games in 2004, 10 games in 2005, and one game in 2006. Due to recurring injury issues, this wide receiver caught just two passes for five yards during his first three seasons in the NFL. Clue number four. Finally healthy in 2007, he appeared in all 16 games and caught his first touchdown for the Ravens. He finished the season with 18 catches for 326 yards and three touchdowns, thus ending his Ravens career with 20 catches for 331 yards and three touchdowns. Clue number five, this player who wore number 81 signed a three-year deal with the Chiefs uh, prior to the 2008 season, but played just one more year in the NFL before missing the entire 2009 season due to injury, after which he was released. Then bonus clue, he's a Ravens all-name team legend with his first and last name, starting with the same letter. I Yeah, that helped. <laughs> I'm not positive. But Jace, how did this random Raven, who had 20 catches in his career, get a three-year deal with the Chiefs? You know, I, 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 I should have done more digging. I, I am curious myself. I don't know. I guess just on the strength of that one year, they liked what he saw. You know, you do have to remember, this was, I believe, Herm Edwards was the coach of the Chiefs. This was a, this was a very dark, this was pre-Andy Reid. This was back when the Chiefs were one of the worst-run franchises in the NFL. Uh, so maybe that led to it. I think the Chiefs went like 2-14 in 2008, so maybe that's part of it. <laughs> All right, I, I think Tim may have had it before me. Tim, if you want to... Give a name, and then I'll give uh, agree or give my my name. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm happy to report I had a different name, and then right at the end of the first random Raven segment, this one popped into my head, and the bonus clue confirmed it. I believe this is Devar Darling. Agree, hard agree. I thought Clarence Moore or Devar Darling, but I'm on I'm all over Darling. I agree with the, with Tim. It is Devar Darling. Oof. One of my favorite names in Ravens history. Pretty much the only Raven I think I remember him, because certainly uh, he had way less stats than I remember. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Devar Darling. Uh, not very productive. Injury, very injured um, during his time throughout 
uh, with the Ravens. And, uh, yeah, he had two catches for five yards during his rookie year. Didn't have any catches in 2005 and 2006. <laughs> uh, you know what's – this is fantastic, Jace, just quickly. I, I pulled up Clarence Moore because that was the name I was going between the two. Uh, Clarence Moore also was a rookie in 2004, <laughs> played three seasons with the Ravens, had a total of 29 receptions over three seasons, and then did not play in the NFL <laughs> again after that. Just that was – they were at the same time, the two wide receivers on this team. There were others, of course, but so, it wasn't a good offense for so, so long. So, it, it, I don't want to excuse him, but sometimes, sometimes I think it wasn't entirely Kyle Buller's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just – it's the perfect reminder. Uh we are so blessed with Lamar Jackson at QB. Former league MVP. Had a rough injury last season. Is ready to carry us this season. All the way to a Super Bowl title at 20 to 1 odds. <laughs> For Jay Evans and Tim Horsey, I'm Antonio Barbera. We're going to close it there. Next week, we will do the week one preview with the Baltimore Ravens traveling to New York to play the, play the very likely Joe Flacco-led New York Jets it's very exciting. We're right around the corner here from real Raven football, and we will bring it all to you for the three of us. We will see you guys next week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.